It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Broadcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. When men bow to biblical values, two groups of people benefit, women and children. And that's not just a faith-based belief. You know, statistics actually affirm this. Yet, why are some churches turning woke, rejecting an organization's event because it promotes a biblical manhood? The Promise Keepers, founded in 1990, has had a few of its daring faith events canceled, not by secular venues, but by churches. What's happening? Well, joining me now is Ken Harrison, who's chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers, and Dr. A.R. Bernard, senior pastor of the Christian Cultural Center, a 37,000-member church in Brooklyn, New York, where a daring faith event took place. So welcome to you both. How, how are you doing? Uh Great, I love being here. I, you know what, uh, Ken? I have to say, how many people have told you you look like um, uh, George Clooney? I get it all the time. You know what's so funny though is one time someone did what you just did. They were like, you know, you look like you look like, and I go, I know George Clooney. He's like, no, you look like Yaquin Phoenix. I'm like, what? <laughs> Phoenix. <laughs> so I learned not to complete that sentence. <laughs> hey, Lauren, first of all, thank you for having us on the program and engaging in, in this most necessary conversation at this time in our culture. So thank you. It's so necessary, and I don't think that a lot of people, certainly not mainstream media, understand that there is a plague in our culture, and it's fatherlessness. It's men not stepping up to the plate and being the men that God intended them to be. But I want to get um, your take. First of all, thank you both for joining me, but I want to introduce people to Promise Keepers, or a lot of people may not know, because it was formed in 1990. So, you know, of course, that's, you know, 30 plus years ago. Um, it, I, it's hard to believe that 1990 is 30 plus years ago, but that's the reality. Um, tell me, um, Ken, what is Promise Keepers? Well, Promise Keepers was started by Coach Bill McCartney, who was the football coach at University of Colorado. And it was the biggest movement of men in the history of the church. They sold out in 1997, 27 NFL stadiums. Wow. With sixty to 80,000 men to get together to worship Christ. And then they had the biggest gathering in the history of Washington, D.C., which was 1.4 million men came to D.C. for Stand in the Gap. So the Lord really has called us back the last few years. And so A.R., Bernard, and I are both on the board of Promise Keepers to help bring back this movement. And we're seeing, you know, when God brings something back, why? What's the point? And I think in this case, one of the biggest points is that this is serving as a plumb line for the church, because as you said, we've been canceled by a few churches, which is unbelievable. It's insane. Unbelievable. Because they don't want to have protesters. They don't want to have any any controversy. And so we're seeing that Promise Keepers has not moved at all. Our, Our stances are exactly the same as they were in the 90s. And yet now many churches find that they're not aligned with us anymore. So who moved? Well, they did. Wow. And the truth stays the same. Dr. Bernard, why is it that you see this in the church now? I mean, your church is growing even at 37,000 members. Why do, why is there coming this split in the churches? 
you know, I, I and you know, Ken used the word stance, and it's unfortunate that that's what we have to think in terms of in today's culture. But essentially, what Ken is talking about is a conviction. You know, my concern, first of all, is for the men in my faith tradition who subscribe to a biblical anthropology. The dominant trends, issues, and narratives that shape the current spiritual, moral, social, political, and even economic landscape has left many men confused about their male identity. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I'm concerned for those who are seeking an alternative to the prescriptions of the culture, because the cultural emasculation and feminization of manhood has created a need for the reaffirmation of a biblical model for male identity. And this is where Promise Keepers is poised to do it. I commend Ken. Uh, who's come a long way in in his personal growth and development and understanding of the culture and how to respond to it, is taking a a very strong position to say, well, look, this is who we are. We don't want to be marginalized. We don't want our voices marginalized. We don't want our our faith, the practice of our faith marginalized. So let's utilize a, a, a proven entity to reaffirm biblical manhood, which involves integrating the principles of faith, with the attributes of wholesome and balanced masculine ad- identity. But a lot of people see this as, you know, homophobia or transphobia, or a lot of people want to go to church and just feel good and affirmed, and then they get into a situation where they have to be faced with the, the truth of the gospel. Um, how can churches actually create that without creating animosity when people come into and see the conflict of their own lives and what the church uh, teaches? Yeah, we don't. Culture is an integrated system of beliefs, traditions, practices, customs, ideas, uh, intellectual and emotional dispositions that are passed from one generation to another. So there is a church culture that has to be built around the biblical model for family. And at the foundation of family is the man. It is not a hierarchy of, of being because men and women are ontologically equal, equal in dignity, worth and value. But functionally, and uh, uh, and in terms of role and responsibility, we're different. We're uniquely different, and that should be appreciated. We built our church on strong men and strong families, so that culture continues to be intact. What we are challenged with today is to teach this generation how to articulate that faith, how to articulate that model in a very antagonistic, anti-biblical uh, world that we live in. But, you know, Ken, why are you getting so much pushback by churches? I mean, I would expect, like I said, I would expect this from the secular world, but from churches saying, no, we, we don't want any controversy, we don't want promise keepers, where they're a little too Christian for us. You know, Jesus promised if we were standing for the truth, if we were standing for him, that the world would hate us. He said, don't be surprised when the world hates you, they hated me first, right? So... If the world thinks you're great, that's probably not a good recipe that you're on Jesus's side. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so churches have become very, very divided, and it's not along doctrinal or religious lines. It's around, are they going to stand for truth or are they not? And unfortunately, I think much of Christendom has become a business. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not new. We we had a Reformation fight over this whole thing, right, 500 years ago. And so churches have decided which way are we going to go? And if you if you don't stand with God, godly masculinity, well, then what do you really stand for? Because you've got to have men standing in there, raising their kids, cherishing their wives, providing for their families, standing for truth, standing up and saying, you know, you know, if you want to see where we are, just think about the the fights that were going on in Northern Virginia, where you had women against this transgender movement. So you had 
You have young girls who are being poisoned, confused. I mean, what young girl's not confused when she's going into puberty? It's a confusing time, right? There have been books written on it. Yes. I mean, there's. I mean, I've read them. There are. This is a very difficult time for girls. So you yeah. think of the evil of adults grabbing a hold of a confused young girl and saying, "Well, maybe you're really a boy." And then trying to secretly bring them along, give them pills, even surgery to destroy their lives. And what, what do we have? We had women standing up and saying, how dare you? But where were the men? Yeah. Where were the fathers? Man, I can't imagine my father sitting around <laughs> passively when, that, when, that was, when I was a kid. Um, my, my father was a hunter, and I, he was a member of the NRA when, it was, when the, <laughs> the NRA was actually cool. Because, you know, I mean, it, you know. So I, was like, I, I didn't know the NRA was a bad thing because it's like my dad was in the NRA. But I mean, I, the idea was that, you know, my dad did stand up for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember going, being down in graduate school, you know, in Chicago. They live in Minnesota. And some guy got a little, little too touchy with me. And my father was ready to get in the car and come down and speak to the, speak to the man. Think and, how valuable that was for you to know yes. you were that loved, that your dad was willing to go to that extent for the for the cherishment of his daughter. Yeah. And every girl should feel that way about her father, and every woman should feel that way about her husband. He sent my brother, which was actually worse. Because <laughs> <laughs> my brother had a license, you know, so it was, it was, but it was interesting, the dynamic. There is a difference when girls feel valued by mm-hmm. a father, a brother. Who, who is in charge of their protection. And I think, you know, you know, Dr. Bernard, I, I want to bring you in this because there are a lot of people in the church, and I hate to say this about people because I don't have any children, but there are a lot of people in the church who married and they kind of put off their childbearing years until they get their careers together. Is this a problem for families when, you know, girls are br- being brought up, but they don't have brothers, you know, maybe they're an only child or, or a boy who's an only child and he doesn't understand the relationship that, you know, transpires between men and women that are just, um, you know, non-sexual. You know, I, I, God has given us three things, Lauren. He's given us his word, his spirit and community. Mm-hmm. And it's in the context of community that we grow and we develop. It is in the context of community that our dysfunctionality are brought into a place where there are those to help us work through it, no matter how it manifests itself. So the community of the church is so, so important to our spiritual growth, but also to our social, intellectual, emotional growth and development. And and that's how Jesus crafted it. And that's how it has worked so well at Christian Cultural Center. We need models. Jesus said, uh, follow me, all right? That's that's one thing. Follow my example. But he said, learn of me. Internalize my values and let them define who you are. I think back about, uh, think back to the, the Genesis record. And the first thing God asked when things went wrong, he asked, who told you you're naked? Mm. What's informing your identity other than how I established it in the beginning? And that's where we are. We have these voices trying to inform us and shape us into something other then we were designed to function as and to flourish as. So I'm excited about the challenge of taking on the conversation and recapturing the language and the narrative so that we can put it in biblical perspective. I'm clear that we live in American America, which is a pluralistic society. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I will push back against the marginalization of my voice. And as much as other special interest groups have come up over the last uh, 60 years and asserted themselves collectively and energetically, we must now also affirm ourselves 
in the conversation so that we're not dismissed. And I think PK is one of the movements to make this happen. How many how many men are going, are expected to uh, really kind of come out for these daring faith events? Ken? Well, we've booked places that are between about 4,000 and 12,000 seat capacity. And then we have tens of thousands of people watching on free simulcast all over the world. So if anybody, mm-hmm. well, if anybody's listening to this and you think, okay, there's there's an event that's coming up. I know we'll be in Tulsa, we'll be in Tampa. Gosh, I can't get there. Well, you can just go to promisekeepers.org and just sign up and get the free simulcast and be able to watch it with your church or watch it at your home or whatever you want. Yeah. I want to take a break real quick on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with Ken Harrison and Dr. A.R. Bernard. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And we are back at Lighthouse Faith Podcast talking with um, the chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers, um, Ken Harrison, and the uh, uh, senior pastor at uh, Christian Cultural Center, uh, Dr. A.R. Bernard. And we're talking about the Promise Keepers and their events, Daring Faith. And what's interesting is what, what we are talking about before, that a lot of churches have canceled your events because they don't want the controversy. You've stood, stood up for a biblical manhood, and they see it as a threat to the LGBTQ community, um, and also women's rights. And I think, Ken, like, why is it that it's such a threat to feminism if men take on a stronger role? Well, it's a it's a clear lack of an understanding of what a strong man is, right? Mm-hmm. A strong man is a servant. A strong man emulates Jesus Christ, who was a servant of all, who who fought and cared for the oppressed, who took on the authorities that abused women and elevated women, right? That's what strong men do, is they fight for equal rights, and they literally go out and look for those who have not equal rights, the poor, the oppressed, and they elevate them. That's what men do. But you asked earlier about the problem with the church, and they are really talked about identity, you know? So I was Mm -hmm. a Los Angeles police officer. When you see cops go bad, they go bad because they forget who they are and why they do what they do. When you put on that uniform, you are a servant with power, but a servant of the people of the city with whom you serve. Now you look at the wrong identity that men have today because the evangelical church, rightly or wrongly, has miscommunicated our identity to all Christians. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Christian, the church says, well, you're a sinner, saved by grace, and they stop. And the best lie is always the one that's 99% true that leads right. you to the wrong conclusion, right? Right. Well, you are a sinner saved by grace, but now you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You have the indwelling spirit of the Most High God within you. You are a prince or a princess of the Heavenly Father. Now you've been called to act like one. See, we, so we, we leave men at, you're a sinner saved by grace. So then how do men, how do men respond? Well, I'm a sinner. So thank God that Jesus loves me, but I'm going to sin and then I'm going to feel really bad. That's not the Christian life. We're called to power and joy and unity and to change the world for the good. So we have embraced a wrong identity. And that's one of the things about this Daring Faith Tour, Promise Keepers, A.R. Bernard being involved on our board to call men back to their true identity in Jesus. Before we get to the Daring Faith and what actually happens there and everything um, that people can expect, 
I want to ask you, Dr. Bernard, because one of the things that uh, people criticize when we talk about biblical manhood is that scripture out of Ephesians, it says, wives submit to your husbands, and they always take it out of context. Not only that, they don't look at the whole scripture. Put in context again, when the Bible says women submit to your husbands, what does that mean? It is a mutual submission. It's not just the woman submitting to her husband, but it's also the husband essentially, and I'm going to use the word submitting, to the role that God has placed in his wife. Uh, It's interesting how some of the challenges that men have is appreciating what their wives bring to the table, how they, in, in essence, complete them in their manhood, because a woman is designed to draw those things out of a man, those characteristics out of a man. Essentially, the biblical model of male and female says that my maleness can only be appreciated and understood by and in relationship with the other, not the same. Because if it's the same, then I don't have the dynamics necessary in order to discover my true self. So the way God set this up, of course, God's a genius. He sets it up the way it's supposed to function. And we need to get back to that. Lauren, if I may, you know, I think that with, with feminism and its movement and some of the models of manhood that lean towards toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. a domineering, macho manhood, you know, uh, cause men to pause, even Christian men within the biblical context, to pause and say, oh, w- wait a minute, you know, uh, maybe I'm not just a warrior, maybe I'm more than that. The reality is that manhood is paradoxical. The perfect man embodied in Christ is, is, is a balance of both strength and gentleness, assertiveness with humility, maturity with childlike faith, you know, knowledge yet teachable. So it, it's not that, that we are leaning in one direction here. We are saying, no, we understand and appreciate shared values and attributes, but at the end of the day, there is a hierarchy of responsibility and expectation. You expected your dad to step into that situation because you need his covering, his protection. And this is a kind of role that God established and responsibility for men. When men become the men that God designed them to be, it liberates women to flourish and be the women that God designed them to be. And also their children, also the children. Um, one of the things, um, Ken, I was talking, I was looking at Promise Keepers websites, and it's you know to promote friendships among men. Why do men need close friendships? Oh, man. (laughs) You set AR up and you set me up worse. (laughs) Um, If you look at the beginning of time, uh, men had to come together in interdependent communities to survive. You know, Mm -hmm. so think about the entire history of the world until lately, because you and I were talking about the Industrial Revolution and how that demasculated us, right? Yeah. But men, you had to have a blacksmith and you had to have a law officer and a farmer and and men had to come together because you... It took all day to do any one of those things right. into a town. Now that we've had all this technological advancement, men no longer need to come together to, mm-hmm. do, to do what they need to do. So my point is, is that men form relationships by doing. Women form communications by communicating. This is why men are such yeah. bad communicators, well, right? Well, also, there's a, there's a lot of competition in men in terms of mm-hmm. the, in the business world, and that can create a different kind of dynamic in a friendship, you know? We were all—so we were— designed to fight Satan. 
There was a, a battle in the heavens. Satan was thrown to the earth, and then God created mankind. If you read Psalm chapter 8, God is saying, I'm humiliating my adversary with babies. We're the babies. We're the new in creation. We're weak and frail. And yet God is showing the powers and the authorities in the heavens what he can do against Satan with little frail beings like us. So we were designed to fight Satan. If men don't keep their eyes on Christ and what they're here for, then they turn around and they fight everything. And that's what we see, don't we? We see division and we see violence and anger and we see misogyny and all those long words that I've learned from Democrats the last 10 years. But, <laughs> but we, as Christian men, we're saying you need to stay focused on who is the enemy, Satan. And what does Satan want to do? He wants to deceive you. He wants to deceive your family. He wants to deceive your children. And God says in Malachi chapter 3 that I want godly offspring. The most noble thing a man and a woman can do is to raise godly kids and to give them the virtues of being Christ. So, yeah, we do see fights. And whenever we see those and divisions and criticism, I mean, man, I get death threats all the time. And I get criticized from every different direction of, of how I didn't do things right. You know what those are? Those are men who are fighting the wrong thing. Yeah, Men should be creating unity around truth. And that's where we're losing things. And that's what we want to call people back to. What are some of the criticisms you've had? Uh, I'd be interested in what people, you know, oh, the man. Th threats and the criticisms you've had. Well, you can imagine. So on the left, I get the uh, the LGBTQ and the trans movement, even though we, you know, we don't say anything against um, the homosexual community at you, all. I mean, but, but, but your presence and what you stand yes. for is a threat. Masculine men and people make their own inferences. And, and I'm not saying homosexuality is not a sin, but I'm saying it's a list of other sins and, and, and Christ forgives all of us. And at the event tomorrow, we'll have Beckett Cook, who um, is who was homosexual, who was saved, and he's going to talk about same-sex attraction and how we deal with all that. We're, we're not going to back away from issues. So from the left, I get that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people make their own assumptions. From the right, boy, it's worse. Really? Oh, yeah. You're, you're not saying enough. How dare you have that person? I mean, at, at the event that we had uh, in New York, we had Stephen A. Smith talk, and it lit up social media. How dare? He's a Democrat. Well, Excuse me, I didn't realize that being a, a Republican, being a Christian were the same thing. So <laughs> how about, so you do, you do, there is that, that pressure to spout a certain dogma. And AR said he's proud of Ken and, and his growth. And what AR meant by that is I have come out from a narrower viewpoint and, and guys like AR have helped me grounded in truth and scripture, never deviating from that. But to expand my empathy and my viewpoint to maybe something, something beyond an ex-cop, white, evangelical Christian who was raised in Oregon, who has a very right. unique way of seeing things. Because we do, as leaders and as men, one of the most valuable things we can do is learn to empathize, stick our shoe, feet in the shoes of somebody else, and say, if I was A.R. Bernard, if I was half Panamanian and half black and raised without a father in New York City, and I was a Nation of Islam guy who got saved by Nikki Cruz, how would I perceive this instead of being Ken Harrison raised in rural Oregon for former L.A. cop? Like, yeah. those are two different perspectives. And it's, it's been very enlightening, again, never deviating from the truth of God to learn to see things from another perspective. And by the way, that's not, not bad advice on marriage. Yeah. I, well, you know, yeah. I actually, yes. <laughs> Tell that to my husband, please. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, Dr. Bernard, I think it's very interesting because um, we're talking about these friendships among men. And one of the things that it sounds like that men need a deeper level of camaraderie than you know, going to the sports bar and having a few beers and watching a game. Am I right? Absolutely. Uh, men, men's ministry is difficult. I will tell you, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, women's ministry is a lot easier uh, to do. Because deal women with. want to talk. 
You know, let's face it, women want to talk. And they want to be vulnerable. And they want to be vulnerable and honest. Yeah. And with men, you've got to get them to talk. You've got to build an environment, create an environment that they're trusting enough to be transparent and vulnerable. Mm. And that takes time and effort. They also want to be uh, challenged intellectually with application because although what Ken is doing with Promise Keepers is turning men back to a values-based model of manhood, it does not detach them from the fact that men measure themselves by their ability to perform, to achieve. So we want to check off the boxes still, but at the same time, we want the checking of those boxes to be driven by an internal value system that's critical to their identity. So when you bring that together and hold them accountable, men need accountability, not just camaraderie, but accountability as well, and be willing to walk with them over the long haul, that's when you you, you get their loyalty and you watch them go through a transformation process. What, I mean, mean, I'm going to bring my husband again into this because um, even though I probably, he'll never listen to this, right? But I remember asking him once, don't you want to know why you do the things that you do? Like the thought process and the feelings, the emotion. And I don't know what I was asking. But he said, nope, don't want to know. Don't need to know. I mean, I mean, I, that's kind I mean, and I'm his wife. But I mean, so what happens during the Daring Faith events? Do men like that realize that perhaps I need to know more about who I am internally rather than just the external presentation of what I do, how much money I make. You just sort of you just hit on a key thing and this is one of AR's big things is that we we culture judges masculinity by results, mm-hmm. by actions, both toxic and non-toxic. Whereas we're talking about masculinity as something from the heart, simulating the characteristics of Jesus Christ, right? So tomorrow night, you know, we will talk about why do bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. We will talk about you know, same-sex attraction, where that comes from. I had someone, an NFL football player, come to me and say, Ken, um, I struggle with the love of money. And I said, no, you don't. He said, what do you mean? I said, love of money is a symptom. It's not the disease. The, mm. disease, the disease is, do I want money so I can ha- you know, have a Ferrari and everybody think I'm cool? Do I want it because I don't have enough faith and I never have enough security? I run a large Christian foundation, and we had a woman come to us at $100 million that she'd inherited when her husband died. And she wouldn't give any money away because she didn't. She needed money to make the gas payment, right? So she didn't understand the value of money or didn't know if a hundred million dollars was enough, right? So what? What's the love of money? Is it pride? There's a, there's, there's mm-hmm. something else underneath that, and so it's painful for men because they've been lied to. It's all about results. So as long as I do that, whatever it is that I think is is success, yeah. then I don't want to know about all the other stuff because I'm I'm here and. That's where you get such criticism you'd asked earlier. So what we want to do is have authentic, real conversations. We say that promise keepers is men talking to men like men. Mm-hmm. So what we have in culture today is you need to have a mother and a father. Every child does, right? To, to have optimal upbringing, right? right. You talk about the right. value of your father. Well, if little Johnny runs along and, and, and slides and skins his knee and starts to cry, most of the time he needs mom to pick him up, kiss the knee, put some Bactine on it, and say it's going to be better, and little Johnny's happy. Yeah. Every once in a while, little Johnny needs dad to come along and go, you're not that hurt. Get up and stop your crying. Right? <laughs> you need both. But right now in our culture, 
There's no dad. Yeah. It's all, and, and men are, are, are adopting a, an identity of victimhood. Oh, poor me. I didn't have a good dad or I, I, my coach didn't start me. I could have played in the NFL or whatever the nonsense is. Yeah. So we want to get men and go, look, some of you struggle with stream sex attraction. Some of you are sex, a lot of you are sex addicts looking at pornography all the time. Um, some of you are greedy. Some of you haven't treated your wives well. We have story after story of men come to AR and I all the time and will say, I just heard, heard a guy not too long ago saying, I went to a Promise Keepers event in the 90s, workaholic, alcoholic. I never talked to my daughter. I left Promise Keepers. I drove straight to her dorm room in college. It was a couple hundred miles away. I got on my knees in tears and I begged her for her forgiveness for being a crummy father. She, he said, today, my daughter's my best friend. Wow. You talk about transformation. So men don't want to talk about it, but you got to get there. You got to be vulnerable. It doesn't make you weak. It will make you much stronger. I think, you know, um, Dr. Bernard, one of the things that has hurt the church is the sort of the feminization of Jesus, that Jesus is gentle and kind and the little lambs. But you hear in some of the praise music, like, uh, the lion and the lamb, you know, my God is a lion, lion of Judah, who's who's roaring with power and fighting my battles. And I think that praise music finally got at the sort of dual nature that men can relate to, but women understand as well. I mean, but have we just too feminized Jesus for men to kind of feel comfortable coming to church? Amen. You mean you mean the guy who turned over the money changers? And, yes. And, and Don't forget the, the bullwhip AR. You're talking about that guy? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, it, it's again, it's it's an attempt to redefine Jesus outside of the revelation of Scripture, and that's nothing new. That's old, and that's why it's so important that we have models like PK and movements like PK who are saying we're going to reaffirm. The real Jesus, not the Jesus that is now being prescribed to us by the culture. Look, I was in a nation of Islam. Mm. I was there without, I did, grew up without a father. I was there because it provided strength, order, discipline, camaraderie, fellowship. Elijah Muhammad became a sur- surrogate father to us. I didn't find God, but I found those things mm. that attract me as a Man, that's why I was there. So men are attracted to those things that give them a sense of dignity and strength and and power. What was missing was the Jesus that I didn't understand. And when I finally encountered that Jesus in 1975, he was not weak. He was not feminized. It blew my mind. The fact that he—I would summarize him like this—power— Controlled by purpose and discipline. Power. Yes. And grace. In this one man. When 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 I was growing up in, in Bedford Stuyvesant and Bushwick, Brooklyn, we gravitated to Malcolm because of strength. Yes. And it's because I didn't understand nonviolence. I didn't understand what Dr. King was trying to present to us. So we gravitated to where the power was. But when I discovered this Jesus, it blew my mind. The power of internal transformation and the presence that is created by that internal transformation that begins to influence inter- external circumstances and people and situations, 
That's where the power is. In martial arts, which I studied for many, many years, it's called chi, that that inner strength, that inner power. And that's what I discovered in this Jesus. So it's not a weak Jesus. Oh, no, not at all. Wow. Um, please tell me, please, please tell the audience where they can find more information about Daring Faith um, and the various events that are coming up in the next few months. Yeah, promisekeepers.org. And they can also go to the App Store and download the Promise Keepers app where we're we're not only giving guys really good godly content, but also connecting them into friendship and relationship, which we touched on a little bit. Yeah, and we've had some really amazing shows. We, we we put one on on sexual integrity. You think men struggle with that a little bit? <laughs> um, <laughs> we had an hour long program we we aired, and we had two hundred fifty thousand men watch that live across the world. And we had the first week we had five thousand men go through the healing process. It was a thirty day challenge, and you can still go on there the app and get it. It's on the app store. And it, it will take on all the different aspects of all, all that. And it basically says you may have lots of reasons why you struggle with this issue, but you, you need to get healing. And I do I do come, again, I come alongside and against a lot of the Christian stuff. Men are being told this worldly self-help nonsense from a lot of pulpits. And and I've had this debate with a lot of pastors, you know, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they've got all this stuff they say. And I go, you know, every time I read the Bible, when I read preaching, it's always the same message. Repent. Repent. Well, Ken, you shouldn't say men should just stop looking at porn because, no, I, I'll go with the biblical model. Repent. Now, maybe you need help. You maybe need to go do that stuff. But I don't remember Jesus or, or John the Baptist or anybody else ever saying, you know, you're really oppressing women and, and you're violating them through your porn habit. And so go get you know a bunch of counseling, come back in 10 years. You know, John the Baptist said, you brood of vipers, repent. You know, people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you're so great. And he goes, I came to set the world on fire and I wish it was already a light. So we have strength under you know, strength with, and once you have the strength, you can be very humble and very gentle because you have the strength. Who is what Jesus was? Right. So we want to encourage men, get on Daring Faith, make friends. You've got to be diligent. You've got to do this together with other men and then promisekeepers.org both. And right now, I don't know all the dates that we have, but I know that we are coming to Tulsa to ORU mm-hmm. and we are going to Tampa, I think in February. Those are the two I know for sure. And remember, if you can't make their um, events in person, you can you can stream it and you can be a part of it uh, uh, in your home, wherever you are. I want to thank um, Dr. A.R. Bernard, the uh, senior pastor and founder of... Um, Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn, New York, and of course, Ken Harrison. He's the chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers. I want to thank you both for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. You are awesome. What you do is so good. Oh, thank you so much. And Dr. Abraham Bernard, thank you so much for being here as well. Lauren, thank you for your consistency. You've been at it at this for a long time, and you've, you've been consistent with it. So we appreciate you. And, and let me just say this, Lauren. Promise Keepers, if I may, uh, Ken, we're not going to spend our energy and time uh, addressing the reactions of the culture. Amen. We're going to spend our time yeah. building strong men, families, and homes and citizens. That's what we're going to do. That's that's amazing. And you're right. That's amazing. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm Lauren Green. Thank you so much for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Have a blessed day. 
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.